0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 79 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hit that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I am receiving a ton of great feedback from my interview with NFL Hall of Famer Dion Sanders. In case you missed it, please be sure to backpedal one episode, the 78, and check it out. Some of you were a little upset with the audio quality at the beginning of that interview, and I do apologize for that. Dion called me right as I was picking up my kids from school, and he asked to get the interview in because he had a 10-minute window. I definitely did not want to miss the opportunity, so I asked one of the other dads there to keep an eye on my two little kids so that I could take the call. I told him it was Deion Sanders on the line, and judging by the look on his face, I don't really think he bought it. But I wasn't going to pass on the opportunity here, so I I took the phone call, and the connection wasn't that good. So I was circling the parking lot there as I was talking with him, trying to establish a better connection. So the beginning of the interview wasn't as clear as I would have liked. Uh, But judging from your comments, many of you really enjoyed the interview. And please, consider becoming a monthly contributor to the podcast. Even if you could throw in a buck or two, it will go a long way to help keep me on the air here, for one, and also help me to get the proper equipment to do this podcasting stuff with. So. But I am in no way complaining here. You guys have been wonderful. I got to say thank you to the people who are contributing monthly already. And all the many listeners out there, I have been truly blessed to interview four Hall of Famers, 10 Navy SEALs, and some really just awesome first-class fathers. So I really do have to say thank you so much to all the listeners out there. And I have an excellent guest lined up for you guys today as well. I have the former head of ICE, a U.S. Army vet, Jason Piccolo will be joining me here in just a minute, so please stick around for that. And come on, dads, lock it in, subscribe to the podcast here. I have some really great shows on the way. I've got coming up Jay Dobbins, Brad Leah, Bedros Kulian, Ed Milette. And I just made the announcement the other day I will also be having candidate for U.S. Senate in Michigan, John James, will be joining me right here on the podcast. So, all these dads, they're awesome men who agree with my philosophy that fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. So let me smack you with a quick little spot here, and I'll be right back with whistleblower Jason Piccolo. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class Father who is a former supervisor of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, better known as ICE, He is a veteran of the United States Army. He made headlines as a whistleblower in 2015, and he has been featured on Fox and Friends, CRTV, NRA TV, and many more. He is my guest today, and it is a pleasure to say Jason Piccolo. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on.
0: All right, let's get going here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they?
1: I got two kids. I got an eight-year-old daughter, and I got a 10-year-old son.
0: Okay, cool. What kind of sports or activities are they into? Uh, Right now, they're both biking,
1: which is cool, finally. And uh, they love swimming and uh, activities. My son is all really big into this Fortnite stuff.
0: Yeah, him and just about every other kid in the country right now. Exactly. All right, Jason, I've seen you on Fox & Friends. I obviously follow you on Twitter. But please, take a second here to explain to my listeners a little bit about your background. Well, my
1: background, man, I started off in 1993 in the U.S. Army. I was an enlisted guy. And then I, uh, when I got out of the Army, I went to college, got a degree in law enforcement. Same time, I also became an infantry officer. And then in 2000, I became a U.S. Border Patrol agent. From there, I went on to become a special agent with a bunch of different agencies. Um, out of the blue, in 2005, I got that old letter in the mail. that was sent to Iraq for about, well, I was deployed for a year and a half. That included a tour in Iraq. And then uh, I was also training in Camp Shelby, Mississippi when Hurricane Katrina hit, so it was kind of an interesting time. When I got back from the war, uh, had my kids, and then I eventually, uh, you know, I was working in the field a lot, you know, I was working in Fugitive Operations Supervisors. So I was up in the morning, 4.30 every morning, so, you know, that kind of took a toll on me. So my wife and I moved to D.C., and, you know, life kind of went into a really good rhythm, and then I became an ICE uh, headquarters person. And then, you know, that's kind of where my end of my career ended up there.
0: Okay, you and your wife were married for 15 years before having kids. So why the late start? And what advice do you have for other married couples who feel like maybe the sun set on them having kids and they're kind of on the fence whether or not they should start a family?
1: Yeah, that's a big thing. You know, I wanted to have. we both wanted to have kids a lot earlier. But, you know, the war got in the way, and then my wife is also an uh, FBI agent, so, you know, juggling two law enforcement careers is kind of tough. So, you know, before you know it, you're going to college, you're waiting, you're waiting for that perfect time. But, you know, I I say once you have that itch, you know, not really the itch, but once you think you're ready, you know, you don't have to wait for the perfect career, you don't have to wait for the perfect degree, you don't have to wait for the perfect time to have a kid. When you feel it's the time to have a kid and you can support that kid, and you feel like you can nurture them, that's the time to do it. You know, waiting – you know, for me, I have two kids. I would have loved to have had three or four, but, you know, I'm mid-40s now. It doesn't really work out that way.
0: Yes, I definitely hear that one a lot, from, especially from the young guys who say that they don't think that they're ready for having kids yet. And uh, they kind of hold on to that excuse. Another one that I hear that's a popular one is that they say it's too expensive to have kids. And I usually tell those guys, if you think it costs too much to have kids, just wait till you're over 60 and they hand you the bill for not having any kids. To Um, me, it seems like, you know, (laughs)
1: it seems like if you have a little extra money, you end up spending it on stupid things like these Fortnite games and stuff like that.
0: Exactly. Okay. You've worked border patrol and eventually became a supervisor at ICE. Uh, kids being separated at the border was very big, especially in the news recently. The media was all over this. But uh, the whole the whole immigration thing has been a mess for a long time now. Uh, so break it down for me. What is it like from what your vantage point has been? What's the story that's going on? And what led to you becoming a whistleblower in 2015? Well, you know, I
1: when I was working at headquarters, I was assigned to what they called the DHS human smuggling cell. And our, our job was essentially to stop these smuggling organizations from trafficking these thousands and thousands of unaccompanied alien children coming up from the southern corridor up through Mexico into the United States. Now, the big thing is, you know, at the time, there was probably about 80,000 kids coming per year. Now, these are unaccompanied kids. Now, in the media, you know, a lot of times they'll say, hey, you know what, these are MS-13. But the kids I saw, a lot of them were tender age. We're talking, like, the same age as my kids, you know, 10 years and younger to babies. Just, it was crazy. Now, in 2015 is when I came across a spreadsheet from Health and Human Services and DHS where they said, out of 29,000 sponsors, uh, these are the people that kids are given off to after they come into the, into the country, you know, 3,400 of those sponsors were criminals, include sex offenders. Like well, I, you know, at the time, it just blew my mind. I, I said, Hey, you know what? We're the human smuggling cell. We need to do an operation. Let's get these kids. Well, you know, it fell on deaf ears. So that night, I went home. I took a deep introspection time. I looked at my kids and said, You know what? I can't, I cannot let this happen anymore. So I got a hold of the office of special counsel and I blew the whistle. Probably one of the toughest decisions of my life because it essentially, I alleged. Killed my Homeland Security career after almost 20 years. And, and you know, it was, it, there was no big uproar. You know, there's a couple, Senator Grassley's office ran with it, they called uh, DHS and Health and Human Services on the carpet a little bit, but there was no uproar back then. And now, you know, the problem's still there, but at least now we're using DNA, we're using biometrics and everything. So essentially by whistleblowing helped the system because the agencies had to do their job. So, but I'm out of homeland security working for a different agency
0: now, so yeah, I can't even begin to imagine the trouble that that must have cost you, but I definitely commend you for standing up for what you believe in, even in the face of knowing you know what a high price you would have to pay a very tough decision to make uh Do you regret blowing the whistle at all? No, not at all you know if even if if any of my disclosures or anything helped one kid out, I don't care where
1: anybody comes from. If you're a little kid, you're not making your own decisions. And if someone's going to exploit that, it just needs to stop. So now I don't regret it. I do miss working for Homeland Security, but I have a great family. You know, my kids are my life now, so I can't really, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping one day when I get old enough to realize what a whistleblower is, and that they actually look at me and say, wow, my dad did that. You know, that really, you know, because trying to explain to them what a whistleblower is, <laughs> doesn't really... They don't really understand, but if I can instill that, regardless of what happens, sometimes you just have to make the right decision.
0: Well said. Yeah. All right. It is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. And it's disgusting to see all the people uh, with all their nonsense on social media about this issue. uh, People just spewing hatred on Twitter. And they've said a lot and they've never done anything to help anybody. And then there's so many people out there that need the help, especially the kids. So it's awesome that there's people like you that are out there. You didn't sit on your hands and go create a fake Twitter account and start taking shots at the establishment from the abyss. I mean, you stood up and you did something about it and you made a change. Yeah, and eventually, hopefully this lawsuit, because I, I
1: sued to get my reputation back. I'm not suing to get money back. Uh I I sued the government. And that's that's the biggest thing. To see my name versus the Department of Homeland Security just it, it sickens me that I had to go to that step. And to know that I'm still fighting to this day, even though I've been I blew the whistle three years ago. But, you know. You get sometimes they have to make those decisions. And that's the that's the lesson to be in a to being a dad or anything, just make decisions. You know, you have to sometimes make the tough ones. And that comes with anything to do with your kids. Sometimes you can't be their best friend, but you have to be someone to make the decisions.
0: Yeah, well, Jason, how has everything you've seen in your career affected you as a father, especially with all the horrors that you've seen regarding children? How has that changed you as a father?
1: Well, I've seen so many just, you know, before I got law enforcement, I never really understood what really happens behind closed doors? You know, like sometimes as a fugitive operations supervisor, you know, we go into these houses and you'd see, um, you know, a six year old kid who looks like he's three, he's malnourished. They got roaches all over the place. Um, you know, then you look at when I used to, I, I actually worked narcotics in the southwest border with the uh, former U.S. Customs. And, uh, man, we go into all these houses and they'd always use the, they'd always exploit the kids. They'd, you know, they keep all the drugs in the kids' bedrooms. Whenever they're smuggling, they would use kids. It's just coming. And then Americans, not not a lot of them know what the real picture is out there. There's just so much. There's actual evil people out there. So, yeah, so now when I'm walking down the road with my kids, and I just, I'm always on being aware that maybe someone's not looking at them to do the right thing. So it's tough, you know, it's tough to divorce yourself from the reality, and you want this perfect world out there.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the keys to that, Jason, is to just be thankful, you know, which is really something that I try to keep foremost in my mind at all times. I mean, I'm grateful for the kids that I have, the roof over my head, and, and, and some of the little things that that I really have come to cherish. And I try to teach that to my kids just to be thankful, because there's so many people, as we know, in this country and, and, and all over the world that go without some of the simple little luxuries that we take for granted sometimes. Oh, I
1: agree. You know, I have one quick story about when I was a Border Patrol agent. I, uh, I ended up tracking out uh, a family. It was a, a father, a grandfather, and a young son. And the son was my, my son's age now. He's Actually, my daughter's age. He was probably eight years old. And uh, the reason I found them was the father was just smoking cigarettes, so I could smell them. You know, so I tracked them out. I arrested him. I didn't handcuff them or anything, because, you know, they're a little family unit. But the kids asked me as we're walking, he's like, How did you find us? I'm like, Well, your dad's smoking. You shouldn't be smoking. And then he's like, He just acts and, like quick, cute little. Things like, what do you do? What do you shoot with your gun? Rabbits? And I'm like, no. But these are, this was just a family, just trying to come make themselves a new life here. And it's kind of tough. They have to make the decision to send them back, you know? But then you you find those guys that come over here and girls that just want to be criminals. They do all sorts of bad stuff and they don't want to do it the right way. It's just crazy.
0: Yes, and it's the bad ones that ruin it for everyone. Uh, that's always the case, it seems. And uh, we have some great systems in place in this country, like the welfare system. It's a great system, but far too many people have taken advantage of it and really destroyed it. And it's the same thing with our health care system.
1: And, you know, uh, my wife worked health care for for 13 years in Philly. And if people knew what the real deal was, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's so much health care fraud out there. Oh, my gosh.
0: Okay, what kind of projects are you working on? Uh, where can we find you? Uh, right now, I'm just, you know, just spreading the
1: news. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Dr. Jason Piccolo. So it's at Dr. Jason Piccolo. And uh, my website is com. D O C E P. I. C. C. O. L. O. D-O-C-P-I-C-C-O-L-O.com. And I'm really just doing all this stuff unpaid, just trying to spread the word about who I am and what I represent. Uh, the other big thing I want to push is I'm a huge proponent of helping vets get hired. Um, I've been volunteering with Hire Heroes USA and I just started with this veterati. Uh, it's great. I help, uh, because I've been in the federal government so long and I know the hiring process, I, you know, just help vets out. So if anybody wants to volunteer with a great organization, check out Hire Heroes USA, especially the corporate members out there, anybody in any field. You've had some great guests. That's maybe they should look into it. It's it's
0: great. All right, very cool. I will make sure I include a link to that organization in the description of this episode when I post it. And last thing I got to hit you with here, i like to ask all the dads I have on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new father or for that about-to-be dad that's out there listening?
1: Well, we touched on it before. If, you know, don't think it's the wrong time to have a kid. And the other thing is just make decisions. You know, you and you can't always be the best friend. Sometimes you just have to make those tough decisions. The last thing is always keep pushing forward. Regardless of what life throws at you, you got to push forward because now you're the father.
0: All right, Jason Piccolo, I'd like to say thank you very much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thanks for having me on. I really like this uh podcast. It's great.
0: You bet. All right, I'll be right back after a quick spot. To wrap things up on First Class Fatherhood. I have to give a special thank you once again to First Class Father Jason Piccolo for giving me a few minutes of his time. It's greatly appreciated. Please, guys, hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's podcast. I always love to hear your feedback. And I hope you enjoy your weekend and lock it in to First Class Fatherhood for next week. I got some surprises coming for you. Got some exciting guests lined up. I mentioned them earlier. Uh, Jay Dobbins, Brad Leah, Ed Milet, and candidate for Senate over in Michigan, John James will be joining me in an upcoming episode. So come on, dads, we're having fun here. We're celebrating fatherhood. We're talking about family values. And uh, that's about all I got for you. So please enjoy your weekend. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We're fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers.